Hello, everyone. I am Matt Burton. He has the grace of a swan, the wisdom of an owl, and the eye of an eagle. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. I want to tell you guys about Anytime Fitness Gyms. Our partnership with 23rd Street Anytime Fitness just started, and we couldn't be more excited. If you're in central Oklahoma City and thinking about getting a head start on New Year's resolution or wanting to work off the beer and food from Saturday, head to Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker next to the Drake Restaurant in Uptown OKC. You get 24-7 access, private parking located behind the building, everything you'd need for your fitness goals. What more could you ask for? Don't worry if you don't live near this particular Anytime Fitness with over 10 locations in Oklahoma City, as well as multiple locations in Tulsa and Dallas, you'd be set. Just come into the 23rd Street location to sign up, and you're free to use any of Anytime Fitness facilities 24-7. Tell them you heard about the deal from Through the Keyhole. Be sure to like and share Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Follow them there for updates on deals and other cool activities. The gym is looking forward to over 40,000 upgrades in equipment and amenities over the next year, so beat the rush and join the best gym in town. Join now for the $1 enrollment program going on now through the end of October. Again, that's 23rd Street Anytime Fitness on Walker and 23rd by the Drake. Tell them through the keyhole sent you. All right, guys, it is Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's time to shout out our new patrons. We have Matthew Hinton, David Whitney, Ken Williams, Jamie Cathy, Sam, Sheranth. I hope I didn't mess that up. I'm sorry. Jordan Reynolds, Ryan Courtright, Scott Nail, Jim Powers, AJ Meyer, BA McGriff, Sean McFall, Jonathan Reynolds, Ryan McKinney, Jason Brown, Andy Campbell, Keith Moore. Amy Dunford, George Woodward, Brooke Blackwood, and Matt Lipman. Now here's Brady and Ryan Chapman on Through the Keyhole. These are dark times. Dark indeed. We can't even go cheat on our wife at a bar after a game. <laughs> well, I mean, well, seriously, I mean, what the not hell? necessarily. I, is it cheating or just being unfaithful? Because I, I feel like cheating is the that that's purely saved for. Oh no, they they performed coitus despite the fact that one, if not both of them, were married. Yeah, this is my take on the situation. If I had as much money as Urban Meyer, I would only be talking to women that look like that too. So don't blame him. Yeah, but he, yeah, I feel like cheating is whenever you know something goes in, right? And well, thanks, well, thanks finger, to those jeans, the thanks yeah. to those jeans, the finger. Yeah, there was a force field that kept yeah. Urban Meyer's uh, or else finger they would have been in. penetrating any orifice. O T P R J. Is that what yeah. is that what occurred? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where I make Ryan feel very uncomfortable and say, welcome to Through the Keyhole. We've been recording this whole time. <laughs> Everybody, where you are? We're back. It's Tuesday. Street, Hopefully you enjoyed right. the actual uh, Monday Road Warrior Chronicle. It's the first time that's been on Monday, I think, all season, because every time I've tried to record that and put it out on Monday, it just doesn't work. But finally got back on schedule. And like I said on that podcast, no Keegan or no today. 
So now we are joined by uh, Mr. Chelsea fan himself, Ryan Chapman. Yeah, I'm just... Hot, I'm, hot fresh off the Lincoln Riley Presses uh, from SISooners.com. All Sooners with John Hoover and Josh Calloway. Uh, quick programming note, SISooners.com no longer is a valid URL. So if you want our stuff... Is it just All Sooners? AllSooners.com. Yeah, we are SISooners, but uh, used to, you could type in SISooners.com and it would take you there anyway. It does not any more... So, that's what John Hoover would tell me to tell you. We don't want to make the boss man mad. John, John's scary. Does John. he does he miss this podcast? I think so. Does he miss me saying what the fuck was that, John? He, uh, I mean, he, uh, he speaks of you often. Oh, you're, you're evoked often. I, I wish you were there with us that this poor Saturday. Guy. Yeah, I wish you were there with us this Saturday just for the hijinks after the game. No, I, I, I was listening to the podcast the other day at the gym, and I, uh, I. F- I was actually on the treadmill going up. Like I was on, I, right. I, I turned it up to 10 just to warm up uh, for the workout. And you guys were talking about him falling down a hill and getting his ass all muddy and shit. <laughs> just, oh, we're going in opposite directions here. It was tough. It was a, it was a tough scene. Uh, no longer Bill Snyder Family Stadium, though. It's just now Bill Snyder Stadium after both what the K-State student section and what John Hoover himself did in the parking lot it's after the game. John Hoover's Pants Memorial Stadium. Yes, yes. He needs to frame the pants. Yeah. Like like a bloody sock. Like, who was that pitcher for the Schilling. Red Sox? Kurt Schilling. Kurt yeah. Schilling. He, he's a racist, right? Yeah. He's I don't, a fascist. Racist, probably. Baseball yeah. Picture. Racist, <laughs> racist, probably, probably QAnon, definitely. Oh no! Hey, hey, the storm's coming, guys. <laughs> I hope not because I don't like stormy weather. But yes, Ryan Chapman is here. Matt Burton, our producer, is here, and I am always here. Brady Trantham, and it's Tuesday. That means through the keyhole is back, and I mean it's we're never going to leave because I mean I've I've been doing this for too long and uh, mm-hmm. Matt's stuck with us. He doesn't know that he signed his uh, life over in blood. Uh, he doesn't remember. He blacked out. You know, black Is that where this cut on my wrist came from? Uh, yeah. What? What? No, that's where your stigmata came from. So don't worry about that. We'll get that checked out. Uh, we've got you uh, covered health <laughs> insurance wise. You were through the keyhole, but yes, Lincoln Rally talked earlier today. Alex Grinch talked earlier today. I'm actually more fascinated with what Alex Grinch had to say. And quite frankly, I, I need to ask Ryan some questions. But before we get there, just a quick reminder, give our Patreon page a quick, quick gander, meander, whatever you want to do. If you've not done so already, we're got up to about 223, 224 patrons, and we love every single one of them. Truly appreciate uh, their help and their support uh, more than words can express. Truly mean that. And always looking forward to make some new, make some new friends gain some more help along the way, and provide some fun content, OU content for you. In addition to the free RSS feed that you're listening to right now, we put out the Through the Keyhole post-game show exclusively exclusively for our patrons, our X's and O's show each week on Thursday, although this one's going to come out on Wednesday. Goes up on Patreon for the first 24 hours exclusively and then goes free for the rest of you uh, right after that. So just give Patreon a, a quick check. And then one more thing, if you've not done so already, because we've actually gotten quite a few over the last week or so, uh, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we greatly appreciate that as well. We've got up to 143. And just like I said a week ago, we're coming for you. Uh, Sooner Scoop or Unofficial 40 uh, west of Everest. Uh, I mean, what's the SI Sooners podcast? What, what's the review rate? Do you know? 
No idea. No idea. That would require I'm, me to I'm go check go it right now. That yeah. would require me to go and look. That's not good. I left. I left a um, look. This, this I left a rating on it after Parker Thune left and you replaced him. And I, I mean, I'll I'll pull it up, but that that's when I left my comment and I was just like, man, I'm glad that Ryan Chapman's there now. It was it was big time. It was it was a big big time confidence boost. That's the one that I read. No, I uh, this is why I took a uh, mid level management job essentially, is so that I didn't have to push stuff to social media, so that I don't have to worry about ratings and reviews and all that stuff. I just show up and talk and write occasionally. And we love you for that. I don't. Well, we know. I don't like when you write bad things about the Oklahoma Sooners, especially not, especially not that. Uh, third quarter point yeah. difference. Now, I can hate them and I can say mean shit about them, but by God, if some some writer some writer says something about them, like, wait a minute here. Hey! Hold on. Yeah, there was some, there was some thick skulls on that second half scoring differential story that uh, people were not understanding. Well, I mean, Brian, obviously, I can, when was the last time you were on this? You filled in for me once when I had oh, a contact but, trace last yeah, year. Yeah, it's, it's been a hot... Mi- I know I did the I did the postseason report card, and then I did one a few weeks after in recruiting camps. That was April or March or April, sometime in there. It's probably been that long. So obviously we haven't really got your, on this podcast, haven't got your overall thoughts of this team, uh, just in terms of what we've seen over the first five weeks, what we thought going into the year, and... Um, just by reading your stuff like over the off season, we everybody was basically in lockstep with the expectations for this team. Whether or not you thought that this team was going to, going to win a national championship, everybody that follows this team in some way, shape, or form understood that, yeah, they have the schedule, they have the talent, they have the experience, they've got the coaching, they've got everything. So it's basically on them at this point. But so with wherever you were pre-Tulane and where you are now, I mean, what has drastically changed drastically improved even i mean there there might be something like mario williams is really damn good a lot better than i think even some of us thought for a true freshman but good bad ugly after six weeks through the keyhole is brought to you by uptown anytime fitness that is anytime fitness on 23rd and walker the best gym in oklahoma city if you ask me and i know that for a fact because i've been using it for just about two years and i couldn't love it anymore perfect size perfect amount of equipment and we're even getting $40,000 upgraded equipment over the next few months, so we're excited for that. But it's not too big, it's not too small, it's not intimidating. So for first-time gym users or, you know, if you're out there getting closer and closer to the new year and you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, new fitness goals, yeah, this gym is not intimidating. There's never a, a ton of people inside at any point during the day, so you never have to wait for your equipment. It's just the best place, in my opinion, to be if you're just trying to improve yourself in one way or another. And the new owner, Garrett, is awesome, very personable, very helpful, and wants to help you guys out as much as possible. So for the month of October, they're doing a dollar membership sign-up fee. Again, that's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Just let them know that you heard about this deal from Through the Keyhole or just from me. Maybe you'll run into me and you can make fun of me. But again, there are about a 1,000 Anytime Fitnesses across the map. So if you don't necessarily live around Uptown OKC, you can just come up here, sign up with this gym with Garrett, and then you're able to use any of Anytime Fitness's facilities. There are a ton in the metro. There's a few in Edmond. There's a few in Tulsa. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and used an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville. 
Anytime Fitness in Kaufman. So even if you travel consistently, Anytime Fitness will still be there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And hey, if you are perfectly fine with how you feel, how you look, all those things, that's fine. But just help us out here at Through the Keyhole and go ahead and like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a follow. We will greatly appreciate that. So let's start with the bad. Uh, and I'm looking at two position groups, the offensive line, obviously, and then the inside linebackers, one on each side of the football. We'll start with the offensive line. The offensive line, did they put it together last week in Manhattan? It was their best performance of the season by far. Yes. Was it like, I still think that was like well below the Oklahoma standard. That's what Lincoln said. Especially, but they're close. Um, especially, <laughs> especially when you factor in like Lincoln kind of, laughed and he's like if you take out the seven penalties but you can't take out the seven penalties correct you cannot take out the seven penalties and here is the problem with those seven penalties there are some people that that think that way though it yeah but here's the thing he played well except for the times where he didn't it it'd be one thing if your red shirt freshman slash super freshman whatever we're going to call him if andrew rain was the guy out there getting a procedural penalty or getting a holding or stuff like that you'd be like all right, he's obviously more talented than Rob Conjul. Sorry, Rob. But you're going to have to – it's not that you accept it, but you're going to have to live with those mistakes because he's growing on the field. It's Tyrese Robinson and Chris Murray who have, like, played a ton of football. That's a major problem. I don't know how you fix it. There's obviously not anyone better. That's a frustration. And as we saw, like, I, I think everyone covered it really well that um, Spencer Rattler got booed. It wasn't necessarily Spencer's fault, but Spencer Rattler was playing well below – what we had seen him play at the end of last year to, to start this year. So th- that's a big frustration. Uh, that offensive line is going to be the reason why Oklahoma can't win a national championship. Like if they fall short, it's because of the offensive line. Now on the other side of the football, the inside linebackers, I've been very frustrated with them. Um, I forget that they're there. Well, yeah, I, I, I have said this, that if a inside linebacker or a middle linebacker makes a tackle five plus yards behind the line of scrimmage, it should count as negative one for a middle linebacker. And I think that uh, this group, as well as a former person, Kenneth Murray, uh, those guys would all uh, be, everyone's like, oh, well, they get tackles. Yeah, but if, if we went by that metric, it would look a lot worse. And it's the same thing. So it's two things, really. It's the inability for OU to pick up a running back out of the backfield, which uh, good luck this weekend with that. And then the inability for them to play zone coverage over the middle. Uh, they're the root of all of the third down problems early, early on in games. I know that they make the adjustments eventually, but it's just been incredibly frustrating for, for those two things. And I'm kind of tired of seeing that out of the inside linebackers because I feel like that's been a problem under Grinch the entire time for two and a half years. We've seen OU just stop uh, covering running backs out of the backfield. They have this problem over the middle. And then, yeah, so the offensive line. So that's the bad for me. Um, I'm cool with the wide receivers. I think that they kind of had to grow into this season. Austin Stogner's production, I'm cool with that. I think think we all expected the receivers to take a few games just because, like, yeah, is there a CeeDee Lamb on this – Right. In this core, we don't know. There's a lot of talent, but it's a bunch of talent that hasn't been the man just yet. Well, yeah, and if we had told you before the season, hey, the offensive line is going to be laughably bad the first four games, we would have said, well, do not expect anything out of the wide receivers. Do not expect anything out of the running backs, not named Kennedy Brooks. Like, this offense is going to struggle because it's just a bunch of people outside of Kennedy Brooks who haven't had to just be the man for an extended period of time outside of, like, the back end of last year. So, for me... <sighs> 
all of the goals that OU has are still on the table. Can they run the table in the Big 12, go undefeated, and win a Big 12 championship? Would I bet on that? No. Can they? Absolutely. Can they make it to a college football playoff semifinal even with one loss? Sure. College football sucks. I would say that they're in any game in the country outside of going up against Alabama or Georgia. I'm not sold on Georgia's offense, but like with how bad OU's offensive line has played and that defensive front, I don't think it would matter. I don't think anyone... Uh, outside of Georgia would beat Alabama. So it's one of those things that can they get there? Can they fool around? Can football happen and they make a national championship game? Yeah, but I think it's time everyone, you know, readjusts. And I think a national championship would be surprising this year, which means it's a disappointment because it's not just the preseason expectations, right? This has been the year everyone circled since Lincoln finally made the move at defensive coordinator and hired Alex Grinch. It's supposed to be year three of the system. He has his own quarterback, all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, as soon as Mike was fired, everybody kind of understood. Like, like Spencer, Spencer Rattler is committed. Uh, the the five-star receivers are going to be committed. Like, yeah, it's going – the stars will align in 2021. It just really comes down to what does the schedule look like, what does the returning talent look like that day or that year. So, I mean, there's just a lot going for OU, and then they, you know, they put out the product they put out for the first five weeks – and it's it's really it's really hard as a fan just because it's somewhat of a good spot to be in to be undefeated this far into the season yet have so much to play for and so much motivation both internal and external for this team because I mean Lincoln Riley can look at tiny things he can look at hey the line opened at ten now it's what six or three against Texas yeah it's, it's and down he, to three yeah and he can look he can point to that and say you want to know why that's at three because we've all sucked. Like, do you want, like, do you think that you're only three points better than the University of Texas this year? If not, then go prove it. Then practice your ass off this week. Listen to coaching. Listen, like, pay attention to the scheme. Trust the scheme. And just do your job. That's what Alex Grinch wants. And I kind of want to stick to the uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But really quick, I'll pull a Bill Simmons and uh, say this with a smirk, you know, writer to writer. Uh, but I wrote, about <laughs> the, I wrote about this on the post um, on Monday, how – like with the, the the defensive scheme to me when we complain about the linebackers I can't help but also just at first place blame on the defensive line because this defense is purely schemed for the front four maybe a fifth guy if Grinch decides to dial up some pressure which he did and Kansas State stonewalled them at every turn it was incredible uh, but this defense is schemed for the front four to create all the havoc plays and I, in my opinion, basically shield the averageness overall, not necessarily individual talents of Igwebu and Brian Asimov, but collectively as a unit, sh- just shield the averageness of the linebacking core. And then shield a little bit of the averageness of the uh, defensive backs because, I mean, Woody Washington's hurt. He's good. Uh, DJ Graham, potential, you know, but he's still working on some things. Jaden Davis has a ceiling on him. And then when you're trotting Justin Broyles out there and even Billy Bowman, who we're all excited for, He's a true freshman, so there's a lot of there's a lot of capability in the in the secondary for average play here and there, but all that goes away if Nick Benito or Perrion Winfrey or Isaiah Thomas just create pressure. Yeah, and I like that's the only way that this works. Like I understand from Grinch's standpoint why he feels that that needs to be the way that, um, that we need to do things, but when they don't get pressure, it shows all those weaknesses, and I'm just a little freaked out because I mean I feel like. Keegan has told us at least two times their offensive line is bad for an entire week 
and then we see OU's defensive line struggle for the majority of the game until the very end. But against Kansas State, which he said, bad offensive line, they never had that final push like they had. Like, the beginning of the second half was better. Right. But it didn't really – it didn't carry over into the fourth quarter, of course. So, to me, it's just so imperative for this defensive line going into Texas. It's not about just sacking the quarterback. That's what you want to do. But get in his fucking face. Yeah. Like Skylar Thompson being a statue and being hobbled and not feeling any pressure whatsoever, that is that that was so disappointing. And when that happens, then th- it's just up to Brian Asmo and David Aguebu and Shane Witter to make plays, and they unfortunately just can't consistently. Yeah, and something else too, specifically on the, the last two games, West Virginia and, and Kansas State, it's not something that we're talking about enough. But when you look at it, it's not like OU got gashed in the running game, but losing Jalen Redmond's a big deal because yes. he's their best run defender, and here's why it's a big deal. We all thought this when the news broke. Yeah, and, 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 and so this is not a new thought, but Lincoln's talked a lot about how weird it's been. and in, in the first half of games, over the last three games, they've given up touchdown drives of, or scoring drives of 14 plays, 17 plays, 19 plays. There were two 10-play drives as well outside of the 19-play drive against K-State. And, and here's why that's happening. It's because Kansas State is not busting off a massive play on first down, but they're getting enough yardage that they can say, all right, we've got you know three or four yards. Now we can just try two of those routes over the middle that the linebackers can't do. And if we get one of them and we don't even get a first down, we can go up forward on fourth down because they can't stop that play three times in a row. They're just not consistent enough. So that's where we're losing a guy like Jalen Redmond hurts because if you can stonewall him on first down and all of a sudden you're in a second and 12, that changes how everything goes. And that's that... I, it's not a new idea. It's not rocket science, but it, you're just seeing it play out. And I think it's no coincidence that uh, the possession count keeps going down in that first half, especially without Jalen Redmond. Yeah. And, you know, you were telling me this before we started recording in terms of OU's third down numbers defensively and their fourth down numbers, which are way, way worse. I don't know how that can be a thing considering the third down numbers are not very good either, but it's just kind of scary because, I mean, what you just outlined, like second and 12, like for 99% of defenses, that's a great way to start off a drive is to stonewall them on first down, second and 10, second and longer than that. Then you're sitting, you know, you're sitting pretty at that point. But even still, like I, I have no faith in this defense, even if they get a havoc player, a, um, a tackle for loss on first down, because if I'm the opposing team, it's second 12, second 13. I'm just like, all right, throw an underneath route, make it third and eight, third and seven, and guess what? Do the same thing again. And if you get down to fourth and two, fourth and one, and you are north of your own 35-yard line, until, A, this defense can prove that they can get off the field, and B, even, well, until the offense proves that, okay, what they showed against Kansas State, they're actually going to build off of that. Because the problem with this team overall is, no unit has really been able to build or capitalize off of a good performance previously. So as, as, as much fun as we want to think the offense is going to look like on Saturday, we have not seen one great performance offensively carry over to the next week. Now you can make the argument that Spencer Rattler at the end of West Virginia played into his performance against Kansas State. That's fine. We'll see where that goes. Uh, but yeah, if I'm start Steve Sarkeesian, I'm thinking if I'm north of the 35, second and 12, go underneath, outlet pass something, make it third and eight, third and medium, and then do basically the same thing again and get fourth and short and then go for it. Well, and 
Keegan pointed this out a ton, right, in the Tulane game. It's that Tulane was not running plays you should be running, right? Like, they were running when they should pass, pass when they should run. It's because their game plan was, we've got four downs. If we And in their mind, it wasn't because of the defense. It was because with that OU offense, we've got nothing to lose. We just have to go for a ton. Well, that should be everyone's game plan, which is going to hurt Alex Grinch because now there is no predictability in play call. Like, like everyone's just like, we just got to get four yards. Get four yards, get four yards, and then get into a fourth and wild. Um, I, I'm The story's going to come out sometime this week on allsooners.com, but guys, like this game Saturday should be a fourth down extravaganza. Oklahoma's the 100th best fourth down uh, defense. Texas is 119. Like, no one, no defense is elite in this game. Neither one can consistently stop people um, o- over the long stretch of game. So, like, ev- everyone should just go for it. Like, unless you're on your own 20, yeah. everyone should go out for it on fourth down in this game. I mean, this game, s- truly something has got to give. Like, it's either B- it's either B. John Robinson is going to win the Heisman and Casey Thompson is a legit, you know, starting quarterback for a school like the University of Texas, or this defensive line shows that all that preseason hype was warranted to an extent. Like yeah. Nick Benito has a great game. Perry on Winfrey doesn't complain about getting held because, again, I'm sure Gerald McCoy got held every play. And that, if I if I'm coaching, that never against, happened, Brady. Uh, it, they never <laughs> held him. If I'm no get, great player's ever been held on the. I know, and if I'm coaching against Tommy Harris or Gerald McCoy or Indomik and Sue, I'm telling my guys hold him. Yeah, make them throw the flag because yes. holding happens on every play. Just don't be blatant with it. Hold him because not one, not even two of you can stop him. <laughs> it's the same thing as what the old the old Legion of Boom secondary. It was like, we're going to be so physical that a ref's either going to have to throw a, per, a pass interference on every play or they're going to have to pick and choose their spots and then we can just go hammer the refs. We're like, well, you let that go the last five times. Same thing on the offensive line. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, something's got to give with this matchup, uh, but you know, we'll get to that, I guess, tomorrow. Or Thursday. I don't know. We'll get to that. Eventually. We, one we'll, day. We'll get to that one whenever, day. whenever we get to it for the X's and O's show. Uh, but also with the with uh, the defensive side of the ball, and we talked about this also before we started recording, but just an interesting remark, answer to a question from Alex Grinch. And admittedly, I was kind of moving around in my apartment. I had the uh, press conference on on my uh, TV, and I just didn't really hear the question. And then I heard Alex Grinch mention something about, yeah, I didn't have one player come to me like coming off coming off the field, coming to the bench to say, "Hey, coach, uh, don't take me out of the game." And he was just kind of like looked off to whoever asked the question, and he was just like, "Not one." And I interpreted that as I want more fire from my players to basically say, "No, no, 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 no. I, I, I've got this. Keep me on the field." And apparently, I mean, according to you, Ryan, I just didn't hear the question because I like that's not the right context, but. The context I was drawing from was just Alex Wrench being a pissed off teenager in the post game after Kansas State, and then also drawing from like an observation Gabe Eichard made on his podcast about that uh, was it West Virginia when Anton Harrison got benched, and Gabe just said, "Yeah, he, he was perfectly okay with it." In in the disappointing fashion of like from Gabe Eichard's perspective of you would think that a guy like that would be pissed off that he's getting benched. Yeah, yeah. So the context of that question, like Bob Prisbillo was asking. Um, he basically asked if it's a hindrance to motivation, right? To have so many rotations. Because because basically what he was saying was a guy could go out and, and just ball out for three plays and then just know, well, okay, I've played three plays. Someone else is coming in, so what's the point? But, uh, yeah, that's when Alex Grinch was like, not one guy. 
um, came to me and, and demanded that I stay in the field, all this stuff. But I, I just took it as like everyone's bought in more than anything else because from the moment that Alex Grinch came on campus, we knew a few things, right? Thing one is that he loves turnovers more than life itself. And if he doesn't get them, he like sits at home rocking back and forth, uh, staring at the TV screen, uh, not watching. Does, not does watching he ever Kansas turn State off? Film. Do you think Alex Grinch has no. ever turned off like at home? Like, I love you, Daddy. And then he's just like, well, then he has some quippy, rhymy one-liner. It's, <laughs> it's turnover Thursdays. And he's it's like, like, I'm gonna tattoo "I love you" on your forehead so I don't have to say it again. Yeah, just give that stuff to the player. I'm tired of that crap, by the way. Give that stuff to the players, not to us. We don't need that. But anyway, uh, we knew that he, turnovers equal victory, and we knew that he wanted to find the 22 best guys, and he wanted to rotate. So to me, he was basically saying like. If he was trying to challenge a player, like, in the press to, like, you need to to be demanding it, like, that flies in the face of everything that they build culture-wise on that side of the football. Like, it, it it's not resting or whatever. He, he says this over and over. We, we don't pull you off the field to rest you. We pull you off the field so that you have 100% on every single player out there. So, to me, if you've got a guy that's, like, demanding that, I don't need to leave the field, all that stuff. Like, it's an affront to your teammates. It's an affront to everything. Like, I, I didn't really take it as that. But also, like, there's not a single player out there that's playing good enough on every single snap to warrant not being pulled off. Like, the reason the rotation's a problem is because the second and third guys, the drop-off is that big. It's not like Nick Benito has been a first-team All-American on every snap this year, and you wonder why the heck. It's just that Nick Benito makes more plays than everybody else, so if he's out there more, maybe he'll make more play. It, it's one of those things. It's not like yeah. It's not like you have Quinn and Nelson just ravaging uh, <laughs> an offensive line on every single down, and then you pull off the field, and you're going, why, why is that happening? So, Yeah, I mean, there are guys that are you know still on the two deep, if not the three deep, depending on what position you're talking about, that you know we, we hyped up and we were excited for in the offseason, but that are, that are just simply not that level that we assume they'd be. Like Key Lawrence is probably the, the easiest example to draw from, where you look at him from a physical standpoint, like that is the type of player that you would rather see you know, roaming around your secondary if you're a fan of the University of Oklahoma and not somebody that's five foot eight, five foot nine, like we've been seeing right. trotted out in the field for the last four or five years. Um, he brings the experience of playing in the SEC, playing at the University of Tennessee. So you get excited for that. You just it's like fantasy sports. You just plug in his talent and his his numbers and put it on this team and you just add that together. That's not it's never how it works for the most part, but it's still impossible not to get excited for that. And then you see him get lost you see him lose guys on simple like little slant routes like the tight end at West Virginia where he just simply dropped the ball and then he drops a gimme interception and it, it's it sticks out like a sore thumb because the another weird thing about this defense is turnovers haven't really been a problem like they're good at creating turnovers they're also really good and unfortunately this was a problem for this defense and this school for a few years uh, they had a problem with uh, capitalizing off of their opponents, either trying to give them the ball or right. putting the ball on the ground. Like they could just simply never fall on a fumble. This defense has no problem with that. It's just the simple things. And that's why I, I think classically, if a coach is basically saying my players are not whatever I'm trying to teach them is not sticking I would classically blame the coach. It's like, well, you are not communicating well to your players, and that's your problem. But I can't help but kind of err on the side of Alex Grinch with this because when I rewatch the Kansas State game, and he says in the post game, "No, Deuce Vaughn is accounted for." You watch, like you watch the game, knowing what's going to happen next, and you just do the X's and O's. You count, and you count guys. It's like, yeah, Shane Witter should 
should get him. Right. But he doesn't. He gets lost in the trees. He gets lost in the trash. Key Lawrence, catch the damn ball, doesn't. Like, simple things like that where I'm just like, Alex Grinch, I'm willing to believe it despite the frustration. Yeah, I'm with you on, like, the, the interceptions that get thrown directly to guys' face masks. My thing is that we've seen OU struggle to cover running backs out of the backfield for two and a half years now. Like, it's, I fully believe that that's someone accounted for, all that stuff. But look at what the offensive line did this last week. They took a step back, and they said, we are having trouble executing the simple things. So why make this incredibly complicated? Let's just call simple things and see if we can get good at that. Which is why Kennedy Brooks probably played. Yeah. Because he's the more simplistic classical running back, A-gap, B-gap, whereas Eric Gray, that's more zone blocking, I would just by virtue of his skill set. Yeah, and and so you turn the page to the defense and look, I'm not an X and O's guy. Um, I don't have the adjust. I can't tell you what the adjustment needs to be. But at what point is there an adjustment? Like, this is not working. It hasn't worked for two and a half years. You've had these problems under Alex Grinch for two and a half years. You've been good enough to overcome it. At what point do you not say, you got to scrap this and just try something else? And maybe, yep. that, maybe that's happening and they're equally bad at executing that. But uh, that's where my criticism of the coaching would come into play is just that like this is this is not just a problem with this team this has been a problem forever maybe it's as simple as getting danny studson back that dude loved to cover the running back in the flat against West and Carolina. what was i because i know lincoln said that they're not at, they're not in a position to like make a call on players who are fringe injured um did, was there another update for danny studson i just missed because he was a game time decision technically for kansas state wasn't he he was. Um, if you want the injury updates, you have to go to the Toby Rowland show. Uh, is it the one that runs on Tuesday or Wednesday? Oh, or whatever, oh yeah, it was Wednesday. on. Yeah, it was. Um, today was just... Texas week. I'm not going to say anything. No, it was not that. I hate to do this, but um, no individual players were evoked. It was, guys that are injured, do you have an update? And so Lincoln did not, because no names were named, Lincoln was not forced to give updates on certain names. And then there was no follow-up question from the person that was called on saying Jalen Redman, Delarian Turner-Yale, Danny Stutzman. So um, just this is based on what I... So he's not Bob because back in Bob's day, Al Eshbach would ask the first question, hey, Bo, what are your injuries? And then Bob would be like, well, uh, I mean, he would lie, but he would at least, well, uh, this guy's hurt and uh, this guy might be coming back and that guy, he would go through the list, but Lincoln's a little bit more savvy, I guess. Yeah, well, you didn't ask no, for that guy. That, it, it was ridiculous how that folded out, frankly. <laughs> it Look, I'm... You guys need to start, like, remarking out loud, like, God damn it! You had one fucking tr- one chance. I almost spoke at a term, but I was—I <laughs> got iced out of everything today, so I don't know if I made someone mad or if it was just a matter of time. But you were Reggie Jackson, and uh, where was that? Was that the yeah Kendrick, Knicks or Toronto? Kendrick Perkins stormed through the door and was like, "You're not asking a question." And I was like, <laughs> "No, Kendrick, I love you. I want to be a part of the team. I don't need to start anyway." So yeah, th- that's why the injury updates. I can tell you. Um, I'm pretty confident in uh, our reporting that Jalen Redmond will not play in this game. I haven't heard anything different from, what was that, two weeks ago? I mean, if it's a minor surgery or a minor MCL tear, whatever, meniscus, meniscus I mean, that's a a month. If you if maybe, is it the same Is it the same thing Blake Griffin had? You remember when Blake Griffin yeah, hurt I- his knee and he was back like a week later? I would say next week's the first time we would see Redman. TCU, yeah, perhaps. I, I, I would say if that would be the earliest we'd see him back. Yeah. 
Um, Turner, Yale, and Stutzman, I truly believe those are close game time. Uh, I, I was I, I must have completely missed that with DTY. I know he got stepped on against West Virginia, but yeah, well, because like so, what we saw from the press box was he got stepped on. What Gabe Eichert reported on the sidelines that he was icing his hamstring, I believe, and it was never identified in an official capacity by Lincoln or anyone like that. So, um, we're working off two or three different, not necessarily conflicting, but it just might be a. It might be the perfect storm if you got three things happening to one leg. It might take more than six days. I, I will yell. The the loudest that I will yell at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday is if I see Justin Broyle starting. And I've already listened to a handful of podcasts, and I feel like all of them – I don't think you guys did, but I feel like the rest of them wanted to make a point. Justin Broyles didn't play terrible. He didn't play – he didn't – he wasn't – he wasn't the worst guy out there. You want to know why? Because Kansas State didn't need to pick on Justin Broyles. They were too busy picking on OU's linebackers. And, I mean, wasn't Kansas State's first touchdown because Justin Broyles fucked up? He took a bad angle? Yes. Yeah. So, again, I'm sorry. He's a Don Key Award guy. And quite frankly, unfortunately, no, like, with all the respect in the world to Don Key, that's a very tragic story. And, I mean, go read about it. It's, you know, there's a reason why that um, that reward um, hold some merit with this Sooner football program, uh, but there are too many Donkey Award winners on this team. <laughs> yeah, potential yeah. Donkey guys. I I, I, I want yes. more. Just be a football player. Just go just go out there and tear some heads off. Tear yeah, please, and stop taking bad angles. That, well, that's the, it's not just Justin Broyles. I don't expect that much from Justin Broyles. I expect more from Brian Asimo. I expect more from David Aguayu. Maybe that's my fault though. He, here. Here's if you want to boil it down, if you want to oversimplify things, here's the problem that OU's defense is having right now. And it's and it's they've been good. This is what's holding them back from being elite. And the reason that I'm being so nitpicky about this is because of the way the offensive line is playing, the defense has to be elite if Oklahoma wants to like actually put their name in the hat for a national championship. You've got too many guys that are making timid mistakes. Like, oh, yeah. if these guys are going to go make mistakes, make them at 100 miles an hour. That's what Grinch promised. That's what you saw in his first year is that it wasn't perfect, but people were making mistakes by over-pursuing, rallying to the football, like trying you, they, too hard to make a play. And today, like Lee Riley said today, a lot of the open field tackling problems against Kansas State were due to lack of aggression. A guy that like waited a split second basically was one of those that like, am I the person that needs to hop in now or stuff like that? Like you're not seeing the... Let's rally eight hats to the football, and, and if we're going to make a mistake, let's all make the mistake at 100 miles an hour. Like, that's, not yeah, what's ha- that's not what's happening. 2019 had Kenneth Murray. That defense had Kenneth Murray to kind of rally around and see that's how we need to play. And, I mean, even they had spot physical duty from, like, Jalen Redmond. Like, he had an incredible Texas game that year. Uh, Ronnie Perkins was, what, a sophomore on that team. Um, there was a lot of overt physical talent where the defense can kind of see, like, there's the standard. That's how we need to play as, as a result. And last year, of course, had Ronnie Perkins at the peak of his powers uh, halfway through the season. And this year, there's like, that's why, I mean, that's where part of the frustration is with Perry on Winfrey, because you have the look of the guy where that should come from. Like, yeah. where you just knock him. You may not, again, you may not get the sack, but you knock a motherfucker on his ass, and then you get to the quarterback and force a quick throw. And at the very least, in completion, you want to know who will be the most excited on, like, on the field, Alex Grinch and Calvin Thibodeau, because they'll know, like, you caused that. Yeah. You didn't get a sack. You know what? You didn't get a number. Who gives a shit? Like, you caused that, and that hasn't happened. And so this defense doesn't really have somebody to kind of look towards as that guy brings the wood. 
from a very simple standpoint, Nick Benito is not that type of player. He is a pure speed rush, edge rush guy. They, you know, they, what you're saying is they need a Hunter Renfro, a guy that can come bring the wood and oh, be a thumper. Oh, God. What happened? You, t- you tweeted about him last night. What was going on? Oh, was it just the, sorry, I blacked out and started my John Gruden tweet hatred thread. Which so by, you, you hate John Gruden? Yes. As a coach, why? as like, a person. Why? I feel like the Raiders have been fairly good since he took over. Oh, yeah. Is he and, holding them back? Yes. Mm. Yes. In what way? Just like archaic play calling? Well, uh, first off, uh, terrible short yardage play calling, um, team construction, roster construction, jettisoning an entire offensive line, undisciplined play. Uh, it, look, Wednesday morning, if you would like to see an angry Raiders fan, I'll be tweeting out John Gruden and Mike Mayock's first round draft selections <laughs> and their current PFF grades at their position group, and it won't be pretty. No. I digress. No. How's Henry Ruggs doing? Well, he's not CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy <laughs> or Justin Jefferson, who were all on the board. Bro, God. the first Monday Night Football game when – Steve Levy told me that, well, the coaches think that Brian Edwards is, might be the most talented receiver on this team. Like, then why did you draft Henry Ruggs in the first round? What was, what was his name from Maryland? Dar- Darius Hayward Bay. Remember that? Yes. That 4-2 guy? Yeah, don't worry. Ruggs runs a 4-2-7. Okay. Anyway. Ruggs is like, he's a fine receiver. He's just not any of those guys. You correct. Just correct. <laughs> correct. That's the, that's the problem. Ruggs is okay, bro. Idiot on Twitter. Yeah, he's not better than any of the people I named who are all on the board and all projected to go higher than it's own. God, Justin Jefferson's so good. I mean, we, we don't need to talk about how good CeeDee Lamb is. We all know that on this he's, podcast. He's but very good. Justin Jefferson, God dang. Somehow the Browns are 3-1. and one. Somehow. Weird. My watch just told me that uh, my heart's racing and I need to, like, settle down. Well, no more Raiders talk here. Let, let's move over, I guess, primarily to the offense. Unless there was something else defensively. Uh, I mean... Let let me say this with Danny Stutzman because I've said this to Keegan. If Danny Stutzman plays Saturday, like that's a benefit because what we were just talking about, like somebody who plays with a lot of energy, a lot of physicality, Danny Stutzman does that. I don't know if what he's doing is correct. Like Western Carolina, he led the team in tackles, but from a film perspective, like the next day, I wonder if like Brian Odom is saying, you missed that, you missed that, but you just happened to make the play or you, you shouldn't have been there. And against the better opponent, you're going to get chop blocked and get out of the play. Well, the funny thing is that there was a quote about that. God, I think it was – it might have been Pat Fields. I feel like it was one of the safeties. But someone asked Danny Stutzman, and they basically said that um, – You guys got to talk to him? No, someone asked about Danny Oh, okay. Stutzman. Someone <laughs> asked another defensive player so about They're changing Danny the rules Stutzman. up there. Sorry, it's been a really long week. My brain is mush. And this happened, like, I think after the Western Carolina game, maybe. But basically – the the response was there are a lot of freshmen that end up making a lot of plays in practice and that's because they're in the wrong spot like the football finds the freshmen just because they're like oh my god i'm so juiced i'm here i'm at oklahoma ball me zoom yeah and like they're doing the wrong thing but they were saying that stutzman was a guy that made a ton of plays in 11 on 11 over the summer or seven on seven over the summer then like it trans they were like oh he's making plays in fall camp and it's not the wrong pl- like he had earned the respect of his teammates from that so point. he's got a rather f- high football IQ yeah. for being so young and experienced yeah, yeah. so that, that was one of those things that he was he was in the right spot so it, it, look danny stutzman's not the the make or break guy that takes this defense from like pretty good to elite yeah, but if your linebackers are underperforming, like I'd like to have another option that is capable. Of oh no question, back. but just what I've been telling Keegan for the last two weeks, if he comes in there and it's a night and day difference, 
um, in terms of he's just making a play or just making a simple tackle, not over-pursuing, not taking a bad angle. If it's a night and day difference, that is such an indictment on Asamoa, Gwebu, Deshaun White, Shane Witter. That that's like that cannot happen. Yeah, Asa, uh, someone today asked about Brian Asamoa trying to do a uh, feature on him, and Alex Grinch was like, no. <laughs> He's like, he's like, I, I do week to week evaluations, and the linebackers have to improve. And he, he listed a bunch of stuff that they're not doing. And he's like, Brian, one of those guys. <laughs> oh darn it! It's just funny. Man, he looks so good in the Cotton Bowl. He did. All the linebackers look good in the Cotton Bowl, and they none of them have looked that good since. Well, let's move over to the offense. Indictment <laughs> of the. Uh, speaking of people that look good in the Cotton Bowl and haven't looked that good since. Yeah, the offense. The offense. Um, again, like great performance by uh. Spencer Rattler, the offensive line, the running backs, uh, mainly Kennedy Brooks, and the receivers, of course, they basically caught everything that was in their hands, right? There wasn't like a drop that I remember. No, there, so there was, was the interception. Three incompletions, was, right? One of them was the interception. One of them was like the first pass of the game that was behind Mike. Like Mike Woods got a hand on it, but it was behind him. And then the, the miscommunication on Mario Williams, yeah. the potential did the, bomb. Uh, did the clocks count? Do the clocks count as incompletions anymore? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Whenever they clock the ball, yeah. No. Do they they don't count anymore. They, do not. they don't. Okay, good. Oh, okay. Well, I thought they did. No. Okay, I was like, what was is like, it? Okay, yeah. Uh, it, it's the same thing. They apply it like so. A kneel down isn't a minus one minus or two minus yards. one. It's yeah. a it's a team rush. So like they take the two so yards out of it. So it's a team incompletion. So yeah, but not ba- yeah. basically it's log it's logged officially as a spike, and spikes don't count against the quarterback. Okay, cool. Well, th- th- see, like that that's kind of the same thing I use when I was trying to look back at the offensive line. Like and the penalties were bad. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I think the you just look at the box score. Oh, you average like four point two yards per carry, which isn't bad. They actually average just north like basically an extra yard because a lot of that came from the Caleb Williams snap yeah I I don't I don't count that yeah if you if you take out the if you take out the team rush which was the kneel down and then the Caleb Williams snap they got I think 5.2 yeah yeah and it was even if you and they only rushed it 20 like 29 or 32 times and even even if you kept the kneel downs and just took out this the uh it was a 22 yard loss yeah, it, it was like a uh, like a four point eight or something. Like it, it was yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Overall, uh, raw production, but I mean, I guess that's where we'll start. Is just with the offensive line. Um, the thing that I've kind of been harping on, and I don't know how important this is because I mean, this offensive line has played to such a low extent that they just simply needed to see themselves have success, which is why the Western Carolina game was kind of important because it's like. Jaden Hazelwood just needed to see himself make some badass plays and catch some touchdown passes for, like, the future. Yeah. You just need to get that confidence boost, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, maybe this off- uh, maybe this offensive line needed that against Kansas State because I just – I really don't know how good Kansas State's defense is. I think that they're a fine tackling team, and I think, that ideally, they want you to run the ball because their bread and butter, if you ask them, is we want to stop the run. But maybe they had a different scheme in mind because of how OU's performed this season. But OU never had a problem running the ball. And all the offensive success, it all matters. It all happened. And I hope that they're able to build off of it. But at the same time, I don't know how bad this defense is in relation to Nebraska's or West Virginia's. I think it's worse than those two those two teams. Um, Tulane, overall... You know, Kansas State's defense is better. 
But my God, Tulane defensively that day played exceptionally well. They, they were inspired. They, they hit. They tackled. Like there was no yak. There was no broken tackles. Nothing like that. They have not since played that way. Uh, but I, I just don't know. Like I don't know where the credit OU's offense starts or ends, and then you have to kind of also mention Kansas State's defense just isn't that much to write home about. Here's kind of my take on the K-State defense. They're they're less talented, like you said, than Nebraska and West Virginia, but they're well-coached, which to me means a lot of the problems against Nebraska and against West Virginia were that you had an offensive line in Oklahoma that in, it was like they were five dudes playing their own thing. Like the offensive line did not fire off the ball together, anything like that. When that happens, that's when those natural gaps start to form. To me, K-State is a well-coached enough defense that if a natural gap forms in the offensive line, they're going to be able to recognize that and take advantage of it, which is how you see absolutely blown protection, stuff like that. And you didn't see a ton of that. Yeah. So for me, that, that for me was like the positive I could take away is that they put together a performance like that where, where there weren't just entire like three or four, like the plays that killed drives were penalties as opposed to just, holy crap, they just didn't block the guy. You know what I mean? So to me, that's positive. Um, Texas's defensive line is by no means great. So the it, talent. I mean, it's just a talent. Yeah, boost. it's it's one of those. It's a talent boost, and then here's the thing: it's OU Texas, so everyone's going to be up for it. So we'll see. We'll see. I I'm I don't have a ton of faith that you're going to see another 5.0 yards per carry, no matter how bad Texas defense is against the run. But who knows? Maybe they'll surprise. And you. I kept forgetting to make note of this, um, but Rain played the majority of the game, didn't he? Did he play the entire game, or did Conville come in? I I think there was only one change. And I think it was Morris at left tackle. So odd, considering what we thought. I mean, Wani Morris. I mean, I mean the Tennessee transfers. Uh, Eric Gray, not necessarily disappointing because of him. You know, it's it's just been because well, he's it, not getting a lot of help. It appears <laughs> like it appears Wani Morris has had, had a lot has had a lot of roadblocks from getting the transfer in line to then getting nicked up to maybe being one of those guys that doesn't love practice. It, it just seems like you know writing checks his ass can't cash just yet one of those things one of those things where maybe maybe that's what he needed was to play a bit part role for the first three games of the year for bill beanbow to be like look at this we'd be much better with you in there but you refuse to to prove that to me on tuesday and wednesday and like the hope with like rame is that you, you go through the growing pains early which is why i think a lot of people were I mean, you, you take the Tulane game, you throw that out in terms of rain because you know, he, he missed some time due to COVID. Um, he just needed to get his you know legs back under him, get some reps back under him. But that's why I think uh, like a lot of fans were frustrated that he didn't start against Western Carolina. He didn't start against Nebraska. Uh, finally started against West Virginia. And the hope is, well, yeah, there's going to be growing pains with a, with a new starter center, with a young player, inexperienced player. Um, but you do that so that by game three, game four, game five, it's a well-oiled machine compared to where it started. And so the hope is is that that starts to really show itself and assert itself against, like you mentioned, not a great defensive line front seven uh, from the Texas defense. I mean, that, that's the hope. But, I mean, despite the offensive line performing well against Kansas State, it wasn't like – transcendent eye-opening like oh my god like the light switch has come on like the light switch is yet to come on if it does it will be on saturday yeah so that's the hope yeah and, and I, I don't disagree with that we're just it's one of those things that we can talk about it we can break it down all we want but it's just as simple as 
can these guys focus, get on the same page, how much that progress can be made during the week at practice, we won't know until Saturday. Darn it. I thought thought you'd have the answer. Well, Matt, sack him. I I am the one media member that is privileged enough to get to go and watch every single. Pro- oh no, that doesn't happen. Darn it. My bad. Can you imagine if you did? It'd be just hilarious. So every time like Eddie or somebody would complain, you're just like, hey. <laughs> I've I've been if there. If you wanted to go, you could just ask. I signed an NDA. I'm sorry. That was my fault. <laughs> my fault. No, well, I mean, speaking of Eddie, he asked Lincoln a good question. Uh, something that I was actually kind of interested if anybody was going to ask like, Hey, did you have any follow-up reaction to what Alice Grinch said basically about, you know, their coaches in this program, like we value practice, but there are some players on this team that just simply don't. And Lincoln answered that question. I think very politically correct where he said, um, yeah, I mean, we have a high standard here and we try to be blunt and upfront and honest with our players. And when they don't perform up to the standard, we're going to let them know when they do perform to the standard, we'll, we'll praise them for it. Uh but he, he was not one to like, oh, yeah, this is a problem with just a few players and they it's been addressed. You know, it, it's to me like it's just a little worrisome that this defense and the team, I guess, as a result is going to go through a third hell week of practice six weeks going into year. week going into week six. Like, yeah, like the week after Tulane, the, the, you know, going into the Western Carolina game. Uh, it's like some half of after Nebraska or mainly after West Virginia which apparently they did not practice well at all going into Kansas State, and now they're going to have to do it again. It's like, how many come-to-Jesus moments do you need if you are a team that has some type of title aspirations, whether that's conference championship or national championship? Like, how many of these can you actually have and there's still hope that the light bulb can flip on? Yeah, that's annoying, but here's the other side of that, is that usually these come-to-Jesus meetings happen after a loss. So maybe that that's actually like that your leadership's halfway there, right? That they're able to stand up and say, we won the game, whatever. It was It was not as close as 37-31, but we're still just pissed about this performance. So that's your... Here's kind of the vibe I get, and this may be totally off base, but you have a lot of dudes that want to be leaders. You have a lot of dudes that want to be known as leaders. You don't have a lot of dudes that know how to actually do that day-to-day. <clears throat> you've, got a, you've got a lot of dudes that can give up and give speeches in the locker room on Saturday after you win, so much so that Lincoln Riley is having to tell everyone, sit down, shut up, we're Oklahoma, we celebrate when we win. <laughs> <laughs> like you like you have damage control it like this is something that's happened is that there's been damage control in the locker room after a victory where the coaches are basically have to come in and say like there are people giving speech after speech after speech and the coach is like hey we won the game recruits are here recruits are over there can, can we turn the music on we won the game so yeah, I, you, you've got a god like i mean pressure like this this program it's inherent with playing football here coaching here is there's a lot of pressure and not Every single year, can you expect a national title? I mean, OU, there are some OU fans that expect that. But when you have like the talent that this program has enjoyed over the last 20, 21 years, I mean, we could count on our one hand where you can go into any any of those seasons and go, yeah, they legitimately are not a national title threat. Right. But every single year, basically f- since 2000, this team has been a national title threat. And with that comes the, the standard and with that comes the pressure. And... You can argue this team has handled that well because they've played like shit yet still won and made plays when it mattered most, which is what good teams do. But you can also argue that, man, they have not handled that well because they are not playing near the capability of what 
We know this this version of the Spencer Rattler Oklahoma Sooners. They have not played near what they played like last year on a consistent level against bad teams. Yeah. Like bad to average teams. What's going to happen when the talent level increases to such an extent now? Oh, that's not going to happen. Exactly. That's like that's another reason why this everybody thought this team was a national title contender. It's just the schedule is so soft. And when you are you know preseason watching and going, yeah, Iowa State's going to be a tough game. And Iowa State's just not very good. It opens that door, but I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's kind of, they're technically undefeated. Let's, you know. well, let's check the, oh, they don't play him in Brocktober. They don't play him in Brocktober, thank God. Uh-oh. Brocktober, where he simply doesn't throw it to a DB four times, he just throws it to him twice. I mean, hell, did OU play Iowa State in October last year? Was that an October game? Uh, that was, wasn't it? Because the season started in late, or was that September? I, th- I think it was like end of September. Yeah, well, I mean, because I, I Brock was, still threw it to OU like three or four times that correct, game. They just said, correct. nah, we're not going to catch it. We know what you're trying to do. We are not going to submit. Here's the thing that's been so weird about this season. Um, but, 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 oh, no, October 3rd. Congrats, Brocktober. Uh, so normally, right, people get weary when OU has high expectations because those teams fall flat. And usually it comes in the form of they just – curb stop people the first four games of the year and then they either drop the inexplicable game before texas they drop it to texas or maybe they even beat texas in the week after you're like what the hell happened yeah and I, the, I, I don't mean to cut you off but no. I, i'm really curious if this program simply needed this right because that does follow the b- blueprint of we're kicking we're kicking ass we're taking names we look good doing it. oh god we just had some adversity and we didn't know how to handle it because all we've done is win 45 to 10 and that hasn't happened yet this year yeah. and like you, and maybe this maybe this team this program needed kind of like no this isn't supposed to be easy well and and i said this i said this on my franchise hit on stage before ous virginia and i was talking to chisholm and sam and we all kind of chuckled because it's ridiculous how it sounds but i was kind of serious the fan base has been relentless, and not, there's not been, like, this is the closest to positive it's been, and even a ton of people were hammering them for the Kansas State win. Like, this is a team that we have heard twice in the waning days of Stoops, where um, people basically admitted that they were, like, reading their press clippings heading into OU Texas, and that's how they got their shit kicked in. There is a 0% chance that anyone on this team is able to do that because all anyone has done is criticize and criticize. Why do we keep dropping in the polls? We're undefeated. So I I just – this is nothing concrete. This is nothing that you can even measure. I'm just curious to see, like, can this sustain throughout the whole year? Because there is no chance to to be let down when everyone's basically telling you, like, you're a paper tiger. Yeah. So Like, there there is so much motivation, internal, external, for this team – that it's almost inexcusable that there are times that you have players that just need to be pushed still. Yeah. So and big time players, the guys that fit that mold. But I mean, with Spencer Rattler, it seems like whatever was you know communicated to him from the fans to the field. I mean, not the real fans. That was a completely <laughs> the only fans. I actually, uh, <laughs> well, so I heard. I know that some people were worried about that state. I actually thought that was like the most grown up thing we've heard from Spencer in the post game of Kansas State. If Dennis Dodd got in there and was trying to stir shit, and he basically was just like, he, like he didn't seem bothered by it. He was just like, it was the student section. We go and cheer with the real. F- I was like, that's the most grown up. Like whatever, it's the student section. Students are dumb. I was like, that was. I thought that was a great answer from Spencer. Yeah, he could be like, for once. I'm technically a student. I'm kind of dumb. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, 
that was just the most decisive that I've seen Spencer Rattler this year, and I haven't seen him look that way. I mean, even in the Cotton Bowl, because there was like a lull in the end of the first quarter, most of the second quarter. Where we all got, we went, oh, God, here, comes here the, it comes again. Here comes the stall. Um, but, like, I mean, the first half of the Big 12 championship game, the Texas Tech game, where Spencer's just dealing, like, he knows exactly what's coming, and he adjusts and makes the throws. Because when he knows what he's doing, and he's able to, you know, throw the ball into the proper spot, I mean, it's beautiful when it when it works, and it works most of the time. But I mean, I was just mostly, I was just mostly impressed by his ability to understand uh, the difference between stretching the play out and just go pick up the yards. Yeah. And then, of course, like he slid like twice, which was a, yeah. a great, great thing to see. But that was the most decisive I've seen Spencer Rattler in terms of when to throw it, throwing it and then understanding stretching plays and then picking up yardage like that's what he needs to do is that is the bare minimum yeah and so if you listen to the SI Seniors pod you've heard this from me I'm sorry that's not like an original thought but like my criticism of Spencer Rattler was not his play over the first four weeks because there was a lot of shit offensive line play but a hallmark of the excellent Oklahoma offenses under Lincoln Riley is Baker Mayfield being slippery when things break down and being able to create. Kyler Murray being able to take a busted play and go basically 80 yards down the sideline in the Cotton Bowl. Jalen Hurts being able to just plow through. You have to be great. The best quarterbacks are great when things aren't perfect. And Spencer Rattler had just been average when things weren't perfect, which is yep. which is understandable. Things aren't perfect. But on that Mike Woods touchdown in Manhattan, we finally saw yes. there was pressure off his right side that was not picked up on a little delayed blitz. What did Spencer Rattler do? Spencer Rattler felt the pressure. He didn't have to stare him down. He felt the pressure. He moved up in the pocket. He realized there's all this space to the right. Let me string this play out. Let me roll out, get to what I want to do, which is roll out to my right. But let's roll out behind the line of scrimmage. That way I can keep my eyes downfield. Mike Woods, finally, we saw an OU wide receiver do the scramble drill correctly. He broke back to the football. He delivered a dart. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Realist guys in the room. How you doing? And it was just one of those things where you were like, that is what you expect when things break down out of elite quarterbacks. That's what you finally saw. Yeah. And that's just my criticism. Is that no, he, ha- he hadn't been elite when things were off. I completely agree. Like, that's kind of been the back and forth Keegan and I have had. Right. Because he will he looks at it from a, a tape perspective. He looks at it from a schematic perspective where uh, the play was right. This guy just screwed up. And my thing is, like, I'm not disagreeing with you. But my point is, if you are the number one overall pick, if you are QB1 at OU under Lincoln Riley, if you are a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate at the very least, then you do not get to make a bad play or throw an incomplete pass just because Jaden Hazelwood ran the wrong route. Like, make something happen. If you're that good, then you should be able to make something happen, and we just haven't seen Spencer be able to do that until Saturday. We, we have the same conversation with running backs. It's just a lot simpler for everyone to see. If Adrian Peterson gets hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage, what does he usually do? He broke that tackle and still turned it into a positive play, and everyone says, wow, look at that running back. Everything was shit, and he still somehow found a way to make this a, yep. a, a null. The long, or, Joe, the long Joe Mixon run against OSU, like yeah. he, he flipped the field. That wasn't the play. Yeah. You know? But Joe Mixon's talented enough that, oh, this isn't going to work. Like, OSU's just there in the hole. I need to 
adjust. Yeah, or we or we can we can just keep having fun. You want to do CD Lamb? How about CD Lamb in OU Texas, where there's five Texas hats around him and he ends up in the end zone? Or yeah. against K State in Manhattan in 2019, where he took a he house called an 80 yard basically a screen that shouldn't have been an 80 yard screen. Like that's what the elite players do. And you, we and we think Spencer we is think elite. You're elite. Yeah. yeah. So we're just holding you to that state, like. If it's we, unfair, yeah, because sure. it's it's if like, he was if he was Adrian Martinez, we would say, wow, he's doing the best he can. Yeah, not his fault. He's not Adrian Martinez. Congrats. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be God mode. I mean, Baker Mayfield would struggle sometimes. Kyler Murray would have a bad quarter or two. Yeah. I mean, Texas Tech that first, well, basically just the first quarter, he threw two picks. Yeah, cover two. Now, now he's mastered that. Yeah. Now, shout, out, shout out to recurring guest Peyton Guthrie. He, he called it in the group chat on Sunday. Like Kyler Murray figuring out the middle of the field is like the final step of his evolution of like God mode. Cliff Kingsbury is over there just like, oh, finally. <laughs> oh, my God. Just in time. Just in time. <laughs> We're saved. Well, I don't know, Cliff. Uh, this is around the time where his time typically comes. Like 3-0, 4-0. Oh, shit. Uh, it's, uh, he's got Ted Lasso on his side this time. Kyler. I mean, it's Kyler. Kyler's so good, man. I, I prefer to think it's Jason Snakes and Ted Lasso. But is is Kyler going to win the MVP? Yeah, I, I mean, if you ask me now, yes. I, it's it's so cool, man. Like, I get I get people don't love Kyler Murray like they love Baker Mayfield, and I understand why. Like, I get it. Man, Kyler was so good. I uh, I I'm. It is. The further away we get from Kyler's career, his one year at OU, the more upset I will be that I will remember he that did Burn, not he the, didn't win a national championship. The more upset you are that Burns Hargus flipped his vote and Baker Mayfield had got the extra year so that we didn't get to see two years of Kyler. Oh Kyler would have just left, right? Anyway. Uh, probably, but Kyler's gonna be so good in the NFL that rival fan bases will no doubt for years to come be like just a reminder that Kyler Murray did not win anything uh, besides a Big Twelve. They're gonna they're gonna <sighs> act like he's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, right. Exactly. What actually Patrick Mahomes is. I told one of my uh, uh, one of the people that has a hand in in doing some social media stuff for OU. I was like, if you guys aren't just absolutely just incredibly obnoxious and abhorrently uh, braggadocious for that whole two week buildup of Cardinals Brown Super Bowl, then like, what are you doing? Yeah. You get for- failing at that point like if you don't have baylor and kyler or what week is baylor, that god baker and kyler if you don't have baker and kyler just cut a social media video a day in the from the nfc championship and afc championship game up to the super bowl like if they aren't doing stuff every single day you've done it wrong i mean the collective orgasm if that was the case in this state yeah who would people root for everybody baker, root for the baker. everybody root for the browns baker, yeah do we, do we need to get I'd into why kyler. i'd root for kyler i would root i <sighs> I would just like. He's the best quarterback I hope everybody has. History. I hope everybody has fun. I hope <laughs> <Right>. everybody. <laughs> I hope everyone wins. And, 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 everyone I makes would, friends. Here's what I would root for: points, points, and, <laughs> the over, and yeah, not the, the over. Yes, the and over. not one of them plays like Cam Newton bad in the Super Bowl. I, I'd probably root for Kyler just because NFC. Uh, which one do you think uh, sets aside tickets for Mike Stoops? <laughs> that would be such Any a good. Them? Either of them. That would be such a great troll move. <laughs> Like, hey, we're one of us is about to win the Super Bowl, and we couldn't even win the national championship because of you. <laughs> no, it'd be like Here, a, it'd be like you. it'd be like the Michael Jordan move of inviting his high school coach that cut him to his uh, basketball <laughs> hall of fame. <laughs> Induction. Look at me now. Yeah, and then he just he just puts his arms up like the Night King in Game of Thrones when he raises. Yeah, he's like, huh? 
Look at well, look at what all of the, all well, that I've done. Look at all that I've done. It would have to be Baker because Kyle was leaving his tickets for Sam Ellinger. <laughs> take that. What do you <laughs> say? Take that L, take, pussy. Take that L. Uh, well, let, let's end row this. L. Row L. Well, let's um, unless you had another Spencer Rattler thing or a Kennedy Brooks thing. Receivers. I I will say about the receivers, it's a little disappointing that because I thought by this point in the season somebody would have risen to the top. And I guess you could say, like, Mike Woods has yeah. been the closest to that. Um, but he's not the guy that I would have guessed. Um, you, I, I feel very comfortable whenever Mario Williams is throwing the ball that he can catch it and make a play. I guess I have one small hot take that we can all make fun of me and laugh at me on at, at the end of Saturday. But I, I don't think Mario Williams can be a factor in New Texas. You I, he, he can't. I don't. Because he's a freshman? Because he's a freshman. And, and Lincoln Riley, historically in this game, the rotations stop. He relies on the old heads, stuff like that. I just – I don't think that – unless Mario Williams is just out – it's like it's a play not designed for Mario. Mario's going to Kenny Stills this bitch on yeah, Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, unless it's one of those things where, like, there's a coverage bust and Spencer Rattler, like, recognizes it and then actually opts to throw into it this time. Um, like, I just don't think he'll be – as big as a guy like a, a Mike Woods or an Austin Stockner or a Drake Stoops. Well, where does that let Mar- Marvin Mims lie? Because I mean, he had a big game last year. No, I I think uh, like I, I think that Marvin is just one of those guys. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I I just I, I wish w- they put him in the backfield in this game. A little CD Lamb action. Yeah. Well, there's no Kenneth Murray there to let it to miss the hole, miss the run fit, and just. <sighs> uh, w- really weird, by the way, how the 32nd best run defense in all of football got better without their starting middle linebacker. Oh, boy. Kenneth Murray slander. <laughs> it's just your AFC West bias. Well, it's, going. That's, it's not slander. For they're, the they're AFC West rivals, Ryan. I will not stand for any K-9 slander. Oh, man. I, Even if – I wasn't ready for that. Was, was the Raiders' run game effective last night? Was, it, was anyone – could they run the football? No. Next I question. didn't get to watch. I'll be honest. Next question. Even with the Chiefs – the AFC West has just never been a division that has appealed to me. I, I've been in. I'm, well, yeah, obviously, it's gotten a resurgence thanks to Patrick Mahomes. Unfortunately, three of those franchises are just garbage cans. So I don't know. And the, and then you know the Raiders. Exist. I was actually just thinking about this the other day. I was talking to somebody about my Miami Dolphins fandom, and I've basically been a fan since about '99. So Dan Marino's last year. I have seen the Dolphins in the playoffs like I think four or five times. You know, '99. Dan's last game, 2000, 2001. Oh, and then the Chad Pennington year. Gotcha. And, yeah, so like four or five times. I've only seen them go past the first round once. And it was in 2000, and they played Rich Gannon and the Raiders, and they lost 30 to nothing. Which was also the day that Aliyah died. Look, it's it's not good, okay? Yeah, it wasn't a good day. Is that how you say your name? Aliyah, Aaliyah. I thought it was Aaliyah, but Aaliyah. Oh. Someone, someone much smarter. I mean, will correct us. She was in uh, Queen of the Damned. It was a bad movie. Had nothing to do with her. But Ryan, I'm gonna let you have a parting little quiff here. Oh, you Texas memories. Hmm. Like favorite or worst or just. Like it's interesting. So I've been every year since I think it's it's either 2004 or 2005. Been every year since then, save last year, where 
Uh, Brady yelled at me, I think, during the overtime period because he was so frustrated. We were we were both at the station. Brady yelled at me. I then got yelled at on the Zoom because I didn't know that if you like lay something on your laptop and the space bar pops up, that that like unmutes you. And so Brady and I were like yelling down the hallway. God damn it! And I was like, I'm sorry. Apologies. But uh, oh yeah, Jenny Carlson's like turn your mic off. Yeah, I was like, sorry, my fault. <laughs> that just like that hand up that's my, i was like oh no i was like me oh gosh i'm sorry so uh i mean <laughs> i was mad i was very frustrated and mad yeah one of my one of my favorite ones that 12-0 game just adrian peterson that was a ton of fun god that was that is must must view yeah that was a ton of fun was it michael huff he ran over was that yeah yeah, yeah we were talking about this today um hoove and callaway and i the kenny stills block was a ton of fun which um, one? Oh, yeah, the one on Blake the, Gideon. Yeah, yeah. The one because I just uh, was I was a Jazz Reynolds like shallow route, and Kenny just like just unleashed yeah, hell. Yeah, just on murdered. The... Yeah, murdered him on the sideline. Because I just Wait, remember are you talking about Quandre Diggs on the Damian Williams run. No, it was the it was Damian Diggs Williams. on the Williams run. Okay. Because yeah. I just remember like that was one of those moments that I was in the stands and like the OU fans were waiting for the sideline angle. And then it was just like you heard, like they played it like five times in the stadium. And every time it was just like, boo, boo, boo. Like everyone was into it. Ugh. So that was a ton of fun. Um, gosh. In the 07 game would have been fun. That was like a well-played yeah, OU Texas the, game between two really good, talented teams. I, think, I was trying to think. I think it was the 07 game where like OU won, and then immediately over the loudspeaker, they're like, there's severe weather entering the area. Everyone has to like leave the stadium. Now the OU fans are like, hey, fuck off. We just won. Let us plant the flag. We're here to party. Yeah, we're here to party. So uh, a ton of stuff like that. Yeah, no, that it's always – I said this on uh, the SI Sooners pod that like this was always my favorite week of the year. It's like Christmas for me. Um, I always make the joke that it's the most wonderful time of the year. So you Texas week. So I'm really excited to go down. It'll be my first time covering the game, like from the press box. I don't really count last year. So it'll be different. It'll be a different experience, but uh, I'm pretty stoked. Pretty stoked. You gonna have a beer before? Not before, <laughs> but Hoover and I are going to go off after. At like 9 p.m. when we're finally done with all of our work and we're leaving the state. Hoover's going to drink all the water in the you know, state Hoover, fairgrounds. Hoover is going to drink all the water. He's going to be like double fisting Fletcher's, and I'm just going to be like, what is the most alcohol you can ingest into me right now? There you go. Well, so, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, coming off the bench. Absolutely. And filling absolutely. in for Keegan. I, look, I, unlike some people... I come to work ready to rock and roll on Tuesday and Wednesday. I appreciate practice. I appreciate these podcasts in the middle of the week. So I'm just I'm just happy to get my opportunity to come in and show the coaching staff here at Through the Keyhole that uh, I'm willing to work on Tuesdays. Hell's yeah, Matt. Woo! Matt, did he do a good job? He did a great job. I love Ryan. He was. I mean, he's he's gone Big J on us now. But other than that, I mean, yes. I still I still love Ryan. I, I still love Ryan. He's he's Big J now, but he didn't, is, he didn't even break any news, so I don't know what I know. Yeah, I don't know what's a big deal about it. He's like, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, guys, but uh, Spencer Rattler has leprosy, <laughs> <laughs> and it spread to Caleb Williams. So the oh, Ralph no. Rucker, the Ralph Rucker, <laughs> Rucker parts now, Rucker part. <laughs> God. God, no, Ryan, you're awesome as always. I love you. I can't believe Tanner Mordecai came into the OU Texas game and didn't fuck up. Well, yeah, Sam Ellinger lost to five OU quarterbacks. <laughs> that couldn't be me, man. Must be tough. Must be tough. Hey, anti Peter Gardere. He truly was born to be the Texas quarterback. So forgive me. Um, <laughs> yes. 
since I'm subscribed, obviously I don't pay attention to which podcast I'm getting. Is this the free one? Yes, this is the free one. Hey, everyone, if you're not on the Patreon page, go sign up. Please go be a patron. I've been wilding out on the Monday post. All right, guys, this week, the Monday question wasn't a question, but it was an opportunity for you guys to come up with some silly stuff about Steve Sarkeesian. And guys, you were a little mean in the comments, okay? So I just thought that since it's Steve Sarkeesian's first OU Texas game, it's his first year coaching Texas, maybe, just maybe we'll start him off, you know, we'll play some music for him and, you know, just kind of be nice to him for a little bit. Psych! All right, guys, we start off with Harry Taylor, Mr. Hype Man Harry, says Steve Sark killed Facebook. Alex Bryant says Sark doesn't wet his toothbrush before or after putting toothpaste on it. Real psycho move. Seth Black, man after my own heart, says Sark thinks Nate Shelley is the best character on Ted Lasso. Travis Crosby, Sark thinks it's AP instead of AD. Rave donkey. Steve Sarkeesian would invade Russia in the winter. Also from Travis Crosby, Ted Lasso doesn't believe in Steve Sarkeesian. Also from Rave Donkey, Steve Sarkeesian believes Oklahoma is, quote, close. Couple from our guy Davis Dunkelberger, Sark believes birds are real. Sark likes Nickelback. And Sark believed Game of Thrones season eight was the best of the show. Also from Rave Donkey, Steve Sarkeesian openly denies the racial undertones present in the eyes of Texas. AJ Myers says Sark asks... Urban Meyer for marriage advice. And the winner this week is Nick Jelona. Had a couple of good ones here. Says Steve Sarkeesian's ass is jealous of the amount of shit that comes out of his mouth. He also says Steve Sarkeesian is the human version of period cramps. And lastly, Steve Sarkeesian is as useless as the U-E-U-E in the word Q. So go find me. Oh, yeah. Go find me and then go back through and do some research and just see how spunky we get. Yeah, and like <laughs> the last few weeks, I've been, I'll put out the post and then two, I think two days later, I make it free and put, put it back out just to some extra advertisement for the page, but also just because sometimes I like what I write and I want more people to have the opportunity to, to not read it. And uh, if you do, um, you might find a bunch of funny comments on I, this Monday post. I was a little aggressive today. I, I don't feel bad about it, but I was, I was aggressive. Well, it's OU Texas week. I mean, it's hate week. It is. I, I've i got some stuff cooked up in the drafts already if OU happens to win this game that I think everyone's going to really enjoy. Do you have a prediction score in mind right now? Uh, okay, so... I want a prediction score, and then if somebody just kind of comes out of nowhere in this game, like not necessarily like a true freshman that hasn't played yet, but you know someone that's been on the fringe, like a Drake Stoops, which kind of fringe guy has like a breakout game? Yeah, I I do think it's Drake Stoops. I think that it's weird. I think it's going to be Stoops and Stogner. I think those two are going to be the guys. That, oh, I'd be I'd be fucking shocked that if it's stepped Stogner. up. <laughs> oh, man, I, I've I've been worried about putting the score out into the ether because I think that John Hoover might fire me. Just general like winner and then comfortably tight blowout. No, no, I've I've got a score for you. Oh, there you go. 2424 Oklahoma. Like I think that whoa, whoa, that was my West Virginia score and, prediction. And, <laughs> and, and here's and here's the thing, and here's what's so weird about it cuz like the blurb that I have to write for the staff picks is that I have no faith in this Oklahoma team. I have no faith in the offensive line. I have no faith in the linebacker's ability to contain Bijan Robinson. So saying all that because it's OU Texas and there hasn't been a just good old-fashioned blowout in a while, that feels like that kind of year, right? That like 
Keegan said it, and I totally agree with him. This has all the recipes for an OU blowout. Texas's O-line stinks. Texas' defensive line, not great. Oh, Casey God. Thompson. Stop it. Should, he should. What happened against Kansas State where two guys got a ball, Jaden Davis and uh, yeah. Key Lawrence, that's going to happen on Saturday with you, a chance to pick it off. Stop this. Oh, he makes the plays. It should be simple. God. Dang it. Not to Stop not it. to mention not to mention first uh first year quarterbacks in this game are like four, ten, like four, Spencer won last year. Four and like a billion. First year head coaches in this game are even worse. Uh I mean the last two first time starting quarterbacks in this series have won. Yeah, Jalen Hurts was a transfer portal guy though. Like he played in the Iron Bowl, bro. He did play in like, the Iron like, Bowl. Like, <laughs> John, John Hoover told me this today. He played in the Iron Bowl. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> That's a meme. Which, by, by the way, Casey Thompson, he got a lot of credit today from Pat Fields for staying at Texas and all that. Casey Thompson entered the transfer portal. Yeah. He, you know, and then he came back. And he changed his number. No extra credit for Casey Thompson. They, they tried to flip me, you know, and it's just like, is anybody going to ask a follow-up? <laughs> People were just like, huh? What? <laughs> what? No, no, I think they did all right at, at quarterback without you. I think they did okay. He predictably was not scared of Cameron Rising. Yeah, Lincoln got the he Lincoln got word that Casey was thinking about flipping. He's like, darn it! What was I doing? <laughs> oh yeah, I was turning Jalen Hurts into a starting NFL quarterback. Oops. Oh darn it! My parting uh, take, my parting question, and Matt, do you have one Could about OU Texas? Yeah. Whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, my very first. I lo- I love this because I was I would always beg my parents. They always went with. Uh, a couple of their friends uh, down to OU Texas every single year. Uh, and I, I would, you know, beg them like, Hey, I, I want to go. Like I want to go. Yada, yada. I finally get to, and then last year they finally took me. Yeah, <laughs> I finally get to, uh, in the, the game I get to my very first one was when Vince Young just no! carved up. You just carved 2005. Up no, yes, that was my very first OU Texas. That was my 15th birthday. Really? Yeah, that nice. that year the OU Texas oh, game fell on my we, uh, birthday. Uh, then there were grown men coming up to me after uh, at the end of the game. You know, with their like putting the horns up, saying Texas fight, Texas fight, just right in my face. The grown men. Uh, I'm what, to, well. To be what, fair, twelve Matt, years old. You've had that beard since you were ten. Yeah, so, very true. To be fair, very true. <laughs> You're a bearded and, uh, child. My, my dad was not happy with the old. Uh, with the guys coming up and putting their their stupid horns up in, in my face. Oh, screw them. Speaking of uh, Texas fans getting your face, so I've had one good experience with Texas fans ever, and it was Mac Brown's last victory because I went to the game and they printed up back Mac Brown shirts, and I was like, this is hilarious. I'm going to take it, and of course, roll it out, Texas wins. And I'm just at the state fair, and he, there's Texas fans like, yeah, back <laughs> Mac Brown. I was like, please, keep him. Keep him for another I, five years. I was there, too, and Texas fans were very nice because they were like, we didn't expect to win. Now you know how we felt for the last, what, four years. Yeah, we're good. We're good. So, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it is what it is. My little final take has nothing to do with Texas, though. I just have this simple question, and hopefully our legal team can uh, find the answer to this question. Can OU trademark Catholicism? Uh, I think they should try. I think they should try. Which? Be- because uh, suffer and suck, Tash. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's Dr. Lou to you, the, the doc- <laughs> What a fool. I, I found it in an old book. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they had it in the 40s, then... Uh, then we had it in the 30s. It's like, what the fuck? 
Yeah, so Josie should just, he should just, you know, like these things happen in like big legal battles where it's just posturing. Just, yeah, we're going to, um, we're going to trademark, oh, I don't know, uh, one of the, one of those gospels. They should, they should trademark touchdown Jesus. That's what they should trademark. Yeah, because that's, because it's not actual Jesus. Jesus, you know, he's the Lord and Savior. Touchdown Jesus is a graven image, if you ask me. I like to picture Lou Holtz as, already half dead and <laughs> and he's he's at this he's at a haunted hotel and he's just typing the words play like a champion over and over and over again on a typewriter somewhere before he acts murders his family yes someone should make a movie like that yeah i, I like to picture my loot hole <laughs> in a tuxedo t-shirt that says i'm formal but i'm here to party i think espn's probably like god dang it why did we let him go he was a he's a di- he's dynamite right he's so hot right now now coming Stephen a smith and lou holtz espn first take <laughs> Which, by the way, his comment that, like, they're not playing good right now. Maybe they should tap the sign twice. Didn't Notre Dame just get, like, ass blasted by that, Cincinnati? That, that quote must have come before the Cincinnati game, and my to. God. <laughs> shout out to – I don't know who wrote it because I was just – I'm over that story. But shout out to him for running that quote anyway. For just being like, mm, what if we – hold on. What if we hold this – yes, now we publish. This is all Lou Holtz has, guys. Okay, can we just – And then Switzer. We can just leave him alone. Switzer right? has the last line. <laughs> I, you know, I don't really give a shit because <laughs> <laughs> we know, we know the truth. <laughs> That's why he's the king. That's why he's king. Ryan, uh, you're incredible. F- you're free to go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you must stay in your seat until the bell rings. I release you, not the bell. Yep, Matt, you're stuck here. Everybody, you can follow Ryan if you don't already at Radios Ryan on Twitter. Follow his work, allsooners.com. Not SI Sooners, where I fucked up, and then the SI Sooners podcast. Why do you guys do that? Why do you confuse us? Branding, I don't know. Branding. Like I, yes. I said, middle management. I just I show up, I write, I hit publish, I go back to my uh I go back to my cave. Yeah. Well, tell Hoover we miss him. I will. I will. He's currently uh 30 miles from home on the side of the road cuz his car broke down. So that's <laughs> What's the f- it's not it's not been a good week for Hoover. <laughs> First he had to moon Bill Snyder Family Stadium. <laughs> And now he's not ghost, even dead. The ghost of Bill Snyder has come back. <laughs> this is going to turn into a horror movie for John. He's going to like n- it is seek October. shelter in this house on the side of the road. And it's going to be like a family of inbreds. At least, <laughs> at the I've, very least, OU is going to the SEC, so he never has to show his ass to Kansas State again. <laughs> that was our as we we're walking away. We're just like as we we're walking away from the stadium. We're like, Starkville doesn't sound so bad right now. Stark Vegas, baby. We're just, we're just waiting for that handwritten note to come in the mail. Oh boy. So. All right, well, we've gone on long enough. Hopefully you enjoyed this one, everybody. Uh, shout out to Keegan. He'll be back for the X's and O's show, of course, at Vanessa House. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Through the Keyhole. Greatly appreciate that one more time. The Patreon page, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. You can follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash keyhole pod for updates, for posts, and all that jazz. Please, if you have not done so already, five-star review and rating on Apple Podcasts, and we would greatly appreciate that. But for Ryan Chapman, Matt Burton, Keegan, and me, Brady Trantham, so long, everybody. Boomer Sooner. We'll talk to you later. Fuck Texas and all that shit. <laughs> <laughs>